0: Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. So it's been a while since I've recorded an episode of the podcast. I've been a little preoccupied making some new music, which is actually the point of this episode. I have Daniel Friedman in studio with me, a guest on a previous episode. Now, his episode is well worth listening to, and I will put a link to it in the show notes. He used to be a music journalist, a writer, a columnist, a singer-songwriter, and he spent a decade doing comedy. He's been hiding in the advertising industry, waiting for the next step, which has something to do with kids music.
1: Yeah, I mean part of it is Interrupting Sheep, which we've already got our first track out. It's me and a singer-songwriter known as Shotgun Tori. I don't know if you've heard of her. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Tori and I've been working together. Yeah, that's a fun one. But today we are strictly talking about the new EP, which is It's Gonna Be Fine. I told you that I was once a music journalist. I'm putting that hat back on for this, to chat to you about your new EP.
0: Most excitingly, though, Daniel interviewed Ben Harper. Violent Femmes, and now he's interviewing me, little old me.
1: Well, I think I told you like the two most famous people I ever interviewed. You know, I mean, I also interviewed you know probably most of the people that you know, like (laughs) you know Nibs Van Despey and Laurie Levine, and you know what I mean. But yeah, and I mean also bands that were like famous for a week. In 2008, I interviewed <laughs> as well. But yes, I did. I did interview Ben Harper and it was a big deal for me. And I actually, it was like, I actually had to fight to get that interview. We used to get a list of all the names we could interview. And I was like, I have to talk to Ben Harper. And it was, it was amazing. It's nice to talk to people about their music because they're passionate about it.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: When did you start writing for this?
0: Kind of mid-COVID. In fact, I had a online live concert. What are those called? Live streams. Yes. I had a live stream and I had to figure out a way to get my sound right. So I contacted Van at Music Experience in Cape Town. And he sent through a digital interface. And it changed my life.
1: Oh, yes. I've seen this digital interface. So it allows you to record in your bedroom, right? Exactly. And so you started getting these songs down in the middle of lockdown. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of references to lockdown in the lyrics as well. Yeah. And that's... Probably the first thing I want to explore, which is that what I I found interesting about it, you're a confessional singer-songwriter, your your songs have always been based on your own life, Mm. and it's still the case now, but what I found is that despite it being a lot about lockdown and about some other heavy stuff that happened in your life, it seems to have a bit of a, uh, you know, even its name, its title, its cover, and its sound, it just seems to have a bit of a hopeful edge.
0: Yes, that is totally, and not by design. It's just what seems to have come out. I feel I feel lighter. And you know what's funny? On this last little tour I did in Cape Town, a friend of mine came up to me who's known me since the beginning of my music career. And she said, I just wanna know something. Is this the answer to Are We Fine Yet? Which was my first EP. <laughs> and I said, Well, I guess kind of. The themes are are different. I mean, there's one song that is like the theme of that entire ep mm. which that that ep was so sad and this is like it's i'm a different human being and i'm really grateful for that
1: but it was just thing after thing after thing and in a way you know you would expect this album to be relentlessly dark but i feel like it's almost like less than a lockdown album it's more like a coming out of lockdown <laughs> album
0: yes oh my gosh i love the sound of that yes
1: Another thing is like your early stuff, so so Are We Fine Yet, Uh, Be Brave, that sort of stuff. It was like we were younger, and it's almost like at that stage in your life, like a heartbreak can last a year. Yeah. Whereas now, this feels like also a bit like your adult album in a way. Yeah. Even the fact that you've got an entire song about queuing at home affairs that's something that's it's not your deepest emotions as much as it's just normal everyday frustration and that's what I get from this album it's like an album to me which is an EP which is like you making sense of being an adult
0: yes it's so nice to hear it mirrored back because that's exactly there's something about getting older that gives you perspective
1: you know it's not the sense of like one heartbreak is going to last you the whole year it's more like a sense of like okay This is over. Let's pick up the pieces. Let's move on. And that's a lot what I get from the CP as well.
0: So I think what's interesting, let's just talk about that for a second, is and it's that song Unfolded on the Mm. EP. I spent a lot of time processing internally without even realizing that's what i was doing mm. and i suppose that also has its own damaging effects outside of me but all of this processing is happening and we're going through this turmoil i was going through this turmoil for years and so by the time it reached its end it came out already processed for me so
1: it's almost like you know the album as always your your music is cathartic yeah and it's almost like the process you know it, it resolved itself within yeah. the EP that you kind of can walk after it saying, you know, it's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, obviously the title track is, is also, it's going to be fine. Mm. And, and that's also for me. So that's to me the tone that I almost get from the whole project, which is that it's the sense of like, all the darkness is still there. You're still talking about lockdown. You're still talking about relationships. You're talking about heavy things. Yeah. But there's the sense of feeling like a sense of hope about it, a sense that everything is going to be okay. Yeah.
0: That's exactly. I believe that everything is going to be okay. And in fact, I started this little campaign about it, which has come about so naturally. I asked a friend to uh, send me a video saying it's going to be fine to count down the 20 days before the release of the album. Mm. And all the friends I asked were musicians. And as I released them, I realized that's the truth. Artists have always led the way. So I always use uh, Arts on Main as an example Mm. for it, is that artists go into areas that... Others would fear to tread. Mm. And they make them something beautiful. And then uh, essentially they always get gentrified, which is not ideal. Um, and then the artists can no longer afford to live there. But it's the same thing. Emotional spaces is that the artists go places that it's hard. They, they look at things that are difficult to look at and they process them for people. Mm. And then everyone else gets them in this pretty little package of a song or a piece of art and they're like, oh, that perfectly mirrors my experience and it makes it easier to go through it too.
1: And it almost paves the way for people to be able to... Because I, I feel like if this album was released during lockdown, it would have been a very different album. Mm. Um, there was this thing, Bo Burnham, he's a like, commuter, singer-songwriter, he did his thing during lockdown and it was so relentlessly dark. And yeah. at the time, people loved it just because yeah. that was the mood. But it almost feels like like when I said it's a coming out of lockdown EP, I feel like it's kind of the sense of like, how much more... Soul searching and depression and all of that stuff. Can we have now? Mm-hmm. It's time to walk out into the light. That's what I got from it. Totally. Sonically, it's got like moodiness. It's got textures to it which you've never done before. Mm-hmm. The acoustic guitar is there, but it's it's kind of like it's not you know it's not always front and central in the mix. And yeah. you've got all these different sounds. The you know the main ones lap steel. Then you've got a double bass, mm-hmm. and then you've got a lot of trumpet in there. Yeah. Have you ever had? you know any of that sort of stuff in your in your past projects
0: i we had trumpet um in Be Brave, but on like one track, one I think. track, yeah, I've had bass and never the lap slide actually yeah it I and mean, it was different. It was like what was interesting about it is using the interface when I wrote the songs, mm. I went into my bedroom and yeah. I recorded the guitar and the vocals, and then I played mm. and I started kind of writing bass lines and getting a sense of like of the production of a complete piece of music. Yeah. And so taking those things into studio and then saying what do we need to kind of mimic what I made without mimicking it? I had some friends who were pretty attached to it, who'd heard it, who said, you have to make it exactly like that.
2: Yeah. And
0: I would have loved to, but things never work that way.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, I must say, I heard the the early ones, the mm. ones you did in your bedroom, and I was like, this is perfect, just release it just like that. But <laughs> then when I heard the, the resulting tracks after you spent time in the studio, I was glad you didn't listen to me because, you know, it's often like you get so… Attached to one version of it, that you don't see it as something else. But like what really makes it fun when you hear the, the produced version is what all those different collaborators bring. So I guess my question is now, if you're listening to this and you have no idea who's involved in this project, let's start with those three things because I know they weren't the only people involved. But who provided that amazing uh, double bass?
0: That was Nick Rumpelt. Then on lap slide, Richard Brands.
1: Of course, who I used to know as Source Tone. Exactly. When I was a music journalist, we, we would interview him. We would uh, cover his projects as well. And it's amazing to see that he's still on the scene.
0: He is remarkable.
1: Yeah, he's amazing.
0: Uh, Justin Sassman on Brass.
1: Yes, I also know Justin. Very good uh, very good trumpeter. Yes. yes. His kid goes to the same school as mine. So we see each other at pick sometimes.
0: I love how small the world is. Yeah. He doesn't only play trumpet. He plays a flugelhorn. Oh, wow. He plays... The trombone.
1: Oh, wow. So he just brought like all of his um, wind instruments. He, he
0: arrived had. with everything. <laughs> it's like a
1: box. <laughs>
0: it is joyful. It is so good.
1: I like that.
0: On drums, Peter Orette. Mm. On acoustic guitar, Sean Franklin. So now I didn't record any of my acoustic guitar
1: so that's not you you we hear on all the songs okay Why, why that's a the interesting decision what what made you decide not to play your own guitar when when that's what you would do live
0: yeah so i normally would and i i sat down to record the scratch tracks in studio and i'd recorded and we would we started tracking the guitar and as i listened back i realized that this was not the sound of the song that I heard in my head. Mm. So suddenly, for the first time in my life, it was not about me as the singer-songwriter, it was about me as the songwriter and this as the song. Mm. And my guitar did not suit the piece. And so I made a very difficult decision, it was a small ego death to be honest, to not play guitar and to bring someone in whose sound I wanted the songs to sound like and Sean Franklin was the guy.
1: Okay, wow. Okay, but just don't take that too far because then we don't want you in your next album to outsource the guitar and the vocals. (laughs) <laughs> as long as you, as long as you keep your vocals and your songs, I think. I mean,
0: songwriters do that all the time. <laughs> I just don't write those kind of songs.
1: Okay, so next album, you're gonna outsource everything to Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> okay, <Yes. laughs> so let's not lose track too much. Um so I also felt like it's it's in a way more up tempo mm. and more rocky. And it's like yeah, I mean even Shotgun Tori and the Hounds had 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 a sense of it, like it being a sort of a trajectory that you were on mm. from your first album, which was the most sort of acoustic and sad. Yeah. And, and that, and and that there's like, it gives you a sense of play that you kind of played around in the studio, which you wouldn't normally do in a sad song where it's like trying to keep it as minimal as possible. Was this something, you you know, I mean, like you could have, some of these songs could have been slower, could have been sadder. So was it a conscious decision to make it a bit of a more uptempo album?
0: No. In fact, and it's so interesting because in the demos, the tracks were all a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. We had many discussions about that, mm-hmm. and everybody involved in the project had a different idea of the tempo. Yeah, I guess what ended up happening was between Barry Burke and I, Barry co-produced the album, and he mixed and he mastered and mm. he engineered it. We laid down these scratch tracks in the tempo that they were. Yeah, and suddenly we were stuck with it. So it kind of it just happened quite organically. Mm. Also. It's so fun. The minute you start adding a trumpet to everything and the drums, it's like there's a vibe. Yeah, and, you've got
1: a band. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's nice. It's, I think musically, it's probably the most, how do we say, like it's got a lot of flavor to it. Yes, you know I, I mean? think so. It's, it's not just like the stripped back songs. It's yeah. got a lot of flavor to it, which I really liked. I wanted to ask you about Driven to Drink. Mm. That was such an interesting song. I wanted to actually ask you about the meaning behind it because... I don't know if I'm out of line here, but... Of all of the people I know, especially as a musician, mm. you don't seem to have much of an addictive personality. In terms of the fact, like I, you don't smoke, yeah. I've never seen you drink to excess, I don't know if you do or you don't or whatever, but I've never seen that, and you know, compared to a lot of the drugs that have been taken in the music industry, I've never seen you doing any of them. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're a teetotal or anything, but you seem to be very in control. So driven to drink, it almost like it's a moody song, and it's, it's I expected it to be a song about alcoholism, but that's not something you personally Personally, battle with no. so so wait, so what is the meaning behind driven to drink
0: so it's about claustrophobia more than anything it's about that feeling of needing to escape and I think that we all experience it in our lives as partners and as as moms and dads mm. and as friends like we we all have a moment where everything just feels too much I know a lot of people who do, who are driven to drink, uh, but yeah, it's, it was more about the what, what was leading, uh, the being driven, rather than the drinking itself.
1: What I almost got from it is like, I don't know if this is even true at all, that's why I'm asking you about it, but I almost got this thing of like, sometimes you get so frustrated, it was almost like I got that you were kind of saying like, I wish I was driven to drink, because then I would have some kind of solution. To this feeling <laughs> A
0: means of escape Yeah Yeah I mean It was a day of claustrophobia Where I wrote that song And that first line Drawing a line mm. Closed the door with a sign That says mm. Do not disturb Not yeah. for anything And it's about boundaries And I, in the end I had to go and sit On the floor of the garage To write the song To get some space
1: Because you're a mom as well
0: A hundred percent Yeah
1: And you know that So I struggle with that a lot As a father It's like I really love my downtime And before I, I had kids I would like easily spend a day in bed and it's just that feeling like you can't do that
0: no not anymore
1: And you just have to go straight through it if you're feeling like you can't cope you almost have to just go straight through it and no, no, you can exactly. understand why people do drink yeah agreed so let's talk about barry so you barry has i don't know correct me if i'm wrong mm. has he been in every single one of your projects or no. almost all your? projects?
0: the last one the shock and in the hounds album oh. and this one now oh okay yeah
1: where does he come from Barry Burke.
0: He, I met him through Laurie Levine actually. We okay. had a before Josie Field moved to the UK, we had a dinner. It was Josie and Laurie and Steve East and Jolene East and me and Oriel from Cortina Whiplash it was a really nice group of people. And Barry was there. We were chatting about this sounds album that we wanted to make and he was like, Well come into studio, let's record one track and let's see how it sounds. And it was great. And we went for him. And yeah, we made an album. Oh, in fact, you know what also I made with him is my small Christmas EP. I don't know if you know. Oh, ever wow. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'd made a, a really stripped down acoustic folk uh, EP mm. of Christmas songs. Yeah.
1: Who did your albums before then? Was it just like a mix of people?
0: Uh, J P De Stefani engineered and Jay Bones produced. Be brave.
1: Oh, I actually remembered that um, Jay Bones had some involvement.
0: Yeah, gosh, I loved working with him as well. And before that, are oh, we fine yet? Was Ludwig Bauer from One Big Room Studios in Pretoria? Okay. Yeah.
1: Do these different people have different processes? I always wonder about that. As a producer, do you have the power to shift? you know like de- cuz i definitely there is a shift between what i heard you do in your bedroom and what i heard the eventual sound turn up is that something Barry pushed you towards or is it just an organic thing that happens when everyone's in the studio
0: i think it's a little bit of both Barry definitely had an idea of what we were making and i had my ideas and together we had to find a happy medium between what we were looking for we did find a sort of soundscape that mm. we were looking for ahead of time Mm. so we sort of were on the same page yeah and then it was a little back and forth and at the end you know making final decisions about so in wrong cue I go high in the choruses in a quite um sort of dramatic way and when we were in studio recording them Barry had thought maybe what we should do is he used to be a film director so he thinks from the point of view of the protagonist so Mm. he had, had thought that in each chorus we should go up per chorus so start low and then add voices and go up and up to so, its high end. so each at the end. chorus
1: builds more yes yeah.
0: exactly and and we so we tried that and in listening to it it wasn't the feeling that i was looking for mm. so we went back to my original idea to st- to start it high but we did build in energy towards the end but it was those small things that he would have an idea and i would be like oh, and sometimes i would give in and sometimes I would fight for my idea. How precious are you about your ideas? Usually not precious at all. But I felt I felt a little bit precious about this EP, actually, surprisingly.
1: Yeah, I suppose also it's about... If Barry, as you say, is from a film direction point of view, mm. it's possible that he had very strong ideas. So it's mm. almost like it's hard to hear someone have strong ideas of what's something that is like your baby.
0: Mm. <laughs> totally. But I trust him... Implicitly, And our sound references that we had were stuff I admired and loved so deeply that I knew we were kind of on the same page anyway. Um, and I, I love what he's made so far. And I love what he's made with this EP.
1: Yeah, no, the results are great. It definitely has you in new territory. And it's like, it feels like once you've started realizing you can do fast songs slow songs songs which are busy songs which are stripped down you know then you know then for your next project the sky's the limit you can pretty much do anything
0: totally well what's so interesting is actually last week I started to write again uh, which I haven't done in a while Mm. so it's like it's the floodgates have opened and I'm ready for the next project
1: oh nice (laughs) well what made you decide to I mean you've done albums so far what made you decide to focus on a bit of a shorter project this time around
0: so, I mean, the whole reason this happened is because Samro put out a call for applications for a micro creation support fund, mm. um, and they gave twenty five thousand rand towards these projects. Mm. And for that money, I couldn't make an entire album. Yeah. So Barry and I sat down and we discussed what we could possibly do for that. Yeah. And then you have to put in some money of your own. I think that's the thing with funding is you have to show that you've got some skin in the game. Yeah. It can't just be that money. We were going to do seven tracks, and the seventh track got cut at the last minute because it just it wasn't working, and we couldn't get it to work, and we had a deadline, and we had to make it happen. So that track will be released as a single in hopefully a, a month or two.
1: That's very cool. Yeah, that's exciting. Have you ever had anything like that before? Like no. a song on the cutting room floor that you can use? Never. That's amazing. It must feel exciting. So what's interesting to me is so many people – uh, it's been such a reality How would you say A reality pill Or something like that This lockdown And everything like that And It seems like More creative people I know Than ever before Are compromising Yeah And they're doing Their day jobs etc., etc. And in the middle of all this You kind of made Quite a bold decision Which is that You wanted to Exclusively do music Yeah There was a sense of like This is a time Where everyone needs To buckle down What made you decide To leap like that into music at a time where most people were doing the opposite
0: i realized that we were all struggling and that there were no guarantees and that so many people i knew who had regular day jobs lost them and were retrenched and if you're already compromising and it's still not working out for you you get this one life change yeah Yeah. it
1: reminds me a lot of what jim carrey once said jim carrey said that his dad he was like a talented musician and comedian his dad but he stopped doing both and became an accountant and then he failed at that and so what so what jim carrey said is that he he realized that you could fail at something you don't love so you might as well do something that you do love Yes. you know it's not like you're not guaranteed success just because you compromise and do something you don't want to do so you might as well do what you what to do
0: it's so devastating and actually which leads me to the next thing is there have been uh, a dramatic and terrible number of suicides Mm. and i think about that and i think that why be unhappy and and
1: and i i feel like you know your music might fulfill that a lot for you because of how personal the lyrics are do you feel like it's a form of therapy for you
0: oh definitely i've learned not to be as confessional, I think I've learned for it not to be all my stories, but it's definitely a way that I process. So, I do morning pages. I don't know if you've heard of morning pages.
1: That's something about the artist's way where yeah. you have to wake up and write.
0: Yes, exactly. In a journal. Exactly. Yeah. Three long form pages. Mm. And that has been incredibly cathartic for me, and it always leads to songs. Yeah. So, I start in that place with general daily frustrations or things on my mind. And yeah. in just the writing… I find what I actually feel about things and it's like the adult in me is having a conversation with the child in me and by the end of the conversation, we've reached an understanding about the meaning of whatever it is I'm experiencing and those meanings often go into the songs. Then I'm like, okay, I've done the processing. Now we can write about it. Mm. But How do we write about it in a way that is not lectury?
1: Yeah, and it seems like you've maybe spent... Quite a while getting to that because it's when you're young and you're writing songs, it's sort of automatic in a way. It's like you don't have a process. You just, it sort of almost like vomits onto the page. Yes, exactly. Bob Dylan once said something about that. He said he felt like when his later music, he had to learn to do consciously what he had been doing unconsciously interesting and that's you know to do with the artist's way that process of waking up every morning forcing yourself to write three pages i think that might do it yeah it certainly seems to have led to an album which is more you know it's like it's more it's like some of your earlier stuff it's like every line you could pinpoint it as being a direct thing that happened in your life whereas now it's a little bit more cryptic a little bit like more universal do you like that about it is that the way the direction you want to go
0: Definitely. You know, Amanda Palmer talks about a blender setting mm. that you can choose to put on the songs that you write where there can, they can either be blender setting one, which is like everybody can tell what the song is about or mm. blender setting five or six, which is nobody could tell at all what it's about. Mm. And I find so in it's going to be fine. That was originally written from a very, Angry, devastated place. And the line, it's, it's going to be fine. In the end, the best happens. Mm. All the bad parts of you, all the worst parts of me will return to the ashes. It's all about, it's, um, we're all going to die. And it's so almost it's a all sense all gonna of, be fine. and
1: there's an almost a sense of bitterness about it. It's not like we're, it's all going to be fine in the, let we'll all float up to heaven where it's almost <laughs> like, whatever, so, fine. It's exactly, all going to be so fine.
0: Originally, I was really angry about something when I wrote that song. Mm. And then the part of me that has learned to not vomit my dirty laundry all over everyone else. (laughs) um, That part of me said, I cannot sing the song live. I cannot record that song. It's too hurtful. And I'm going to take it and then shift it a bit. So I rewrote uh, most of the words and it's become a very lighthearted song about lockdown. Mm. And it was not that. And now it's going to be fine (laughs) is like kind of light until you reach that last chorus where mm. you hear the words it's gonna be fun yeah. you know, it's i like, almost oh. felt
1: like i didn't really know when i listened to it
0: yeah how much
1: is this a positive message <laughs> or how much is it at that sense of you know resignation it's like things are going to be fine but it's because in the end we're all going to die and none of this will matter <laughs>
0: yeah. well, As, i think it's a little of both to be honest
1: yeah because i mean that's not necessarily a positive message it's more just <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. It's
1: had me guessing. It's had me guessing. It's like, in a way, I feel like you're saying, yes, everything's going to be fine. But in another way, you're saying, you know, nothing's ever going to get better, but maybe that's
2: fine.
0: No, no, no. It's definitely, it's going to be fine. And maybe it's going to be fine. And if it's not fine, then is that, oh, it's uh, it's all going to be fine in the end. And if it's not fine, it's not the end. Ah. Um, but essentially, I do believe in in some kind of heavenly afterlife so once we die one hopes that it is going to be fine I do too I don't
1: believe in heaven, but I do believe in that when you die, you're still alive in some way and that the, you kind of experience cosmic consciousness. That's what I think happens. Yes. And that you can no longer feel pain. I do, oh, I do believe that.
0: That sounds really nice.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like sleep, but better. <laughs> <laughs> no, so now Tori's kids are here and they are tapping on the window and they are both very, very cute. <laughs> and they are saying, hi, mom. <laughs> I'm wondering, like... Housekeeping stuff, I feel like we've spoken about all the like important emotional stuff behind the album. Yeah. But like what's the practical stuff? So like how does it release? Where do you get it? Are you going on the road and touring for it specifically? That's yeah,
0: those are important questions. So it is released August twenty sixth, Friday, August twenty sixth, which by the time you listen to this episode, it will be that day or after. You can get it on all the streaming platforms. It will be on Bandcamp as well. On, you can find all my stuff on ShotgunTori.com or all my social media stuff is at ShotgunTori. Mm. So you'll definitely find it there. Tori, of
1: course, T O R I.
0: Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that is pertinent information. Touring it, I don't have a sense of that yet. The flights at the moment are so exorbitant and yeah. fuel prices are so exorbitant that it feels a little bit prohibitive yeah. to tour, especially because this... EP, if I wanted to wear it properly, I would do it with an upright bass, and an bass. Yeah, a I was going to ask you, I was going to yeah. ask
1: you, to what extent? So you would want to recreate the sounds on the old move if you can?
0: Almost, yeah. Roughly, I, I do. So, But it's all dependent on money. It costs more to have more people on stage. Yes. And the current state of the South African music industry is is a little bit dire.
1: It is prohibitive. Say you've got a gig, you're a working musician, say you've got a gig in Cape Town at some point, mm. then, then how much pressure are you putting your, on yourself to introduce these new songs?
0: So I'm playing the new songs anyway.
1: Oh, so, so your set right now has got them all in. It's anyway.
0: got the songs in. Yeah. Okay. But they're just same singer-songwriter style. And, and I guess I may have to start putting on my posters and stuff that it's, that it, this is a solo show. Yeah. Because if you go, if you hear the album and you come expecting that, that yeah. that's mostly not what you're going to get. Or I might say Shock Tori band or something yeah. to advertise those gigs but those will have to be money gigs because um i have to pay everybody yeah so it's it's diff- it's a different thing so i might focus on songwriting and making the next project i'd like to tour it yeah. but it's also i've got kids and if i'm not making money i can no longer sleep on people's couches and be happy to just have the experience yeah which i used to be very happy to do
1: yeah I mean, yeah, that is the thing about having kids. It really makes everything real. It makes you and I almost get that from this this project as well. As it's like I said, it's your adult project. There's a sense of like not necessarily it's gonna be fine from the perspective of it's gonna be easy. It's just, you know, a sense of like it has to be fine. <laughs> One way or another, it has to all work out.
0: Totally. Well, I suppose that's the thing, is it's realistic. Yeah. It has to be fine. What yeah. other option do you have? You don't have another option.
1: <laughs> what has Samro said about it? Have they heard it? Have they, what did they do? How many other people won this grant with
0: you? So they had a hundred to give out. So I was one of a hundred. They haven't heard it yet. I will be submitting my reports and everything next week. I hope they love it. I hope they are proud of what the money's gone towards.
1: Well, if there's 100, then I'm sure there's at least like 20 people who just took the money and, and went to Mauritius. No, don't so, say that.
2: So don't sure, say that. People don't do virtue, that.
1: Just by virtue of you having a product, <laughs> I'm sure you Box <laughs> No, it's amazing. It's an amazing EP. And it's, do you know what it is? It's growth. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not like... You know, some artists, for better or for worse, it's the same thing that they're doing, the same sound, whereas I really feel like you have changed. Not only in, like you say, it's becoming a more kind of conscious, more disciplined songwriting process, that you're not just spilling out your emotions. Mm. And also just in the way that, you know, you've got your instrumentation, you've got your, your, it's got a mood about it. And it's because you've got the similar musicians on each track it, it's like a very consistent mood yeah, And that's what I love about it And the last thing I'm going to say Is I'm just going to ask Who else haven't you mentioned I know there's some friends of yours Who did backup vocals Oh my gosh like that. Emma
0: Dupree I haven't yeah. mentioned her And in fact Thank you Because the song That is going to be released In a couple of months time Emma and I co-wrote
1: You and Emma Have been collaborating For some time now
0: Yes, Yes. Yeah. how did uh, that start out? Oh my gosh, so we can't remember how we met anymore <laughs> But we started performing alongside each other And we have a stage show where we both sit on stage together And we swap song for song We design a set list that tells a story between our two songs Oh wow! Between both of our bodies of work And we sing a little bit on each other's songs here and there And it is so magnificently beautiful So she does backing vox in Ron Q, mm. I think somewhere else the track that we'll release is called So Much Money. That's mm. in a couple of months' time. And I cannot wait because it's basically one of the most exciting songs. So fun. And I'm so sad it's not on this EP. Yeah,
1: I know. You were saying that you were like, you were a perfectionist about it. You were like, this has to be perfect yeah. and we're not going to release this until it sounds the way I want it
2: to yeah, that's exactly.
1: <laughs> Which is, I mean, I, I respect that a lot about you in terms of all of your work because I'm the opposite. I've always just been like, if I can, you know, if I can get it out on a, on my tape recorder pressing you remember when you had tape recorders mm-hmm. you pressed record and play at the same time yes, I would I love do that. that but it does seem it seems crafted you know I mean mm-hmm. and I'm, it's almost made me understand the value of studios etc cetera, etc cetera, which is because I heard your versions that you made in your bedroom and they were brilliant but it has taken it to a whole new level the time you spent polishing them Thank you. Yeah.
0: That's so nice to hear.
1: You don't even have to go to a shop and buy things anymore. You, no. you just have to go online and listen to the thing. So, That's right. So listeners, listen. Listen to the thing.
0: Please listen. It's going to
1: be fine. And when is it launching?
0: 26th of August.
1: 26th of August. What happens if you go on before then?
0: This won't come out before then. You won't have a chance. Oh Yes, actually. It's like a pre save Yeah,
1: and then you see the tracks and it's great and then you have to wait until midnight and then you can play the tracks.
0: Yes. And in <laughs> fact, what will have happened by the time you listen to this episode is a pre-launch listening party the night before the album comes out for a group of close friends, which you are definitely coming to. Yes,
1: I will see you there. Yes. But this is exciting times. Thank you. It is exciting. And yeah, and congrats. I almost feel like EPs are also becoming more common, more popular as well, because, you know, it used to be the pressure to make an album used to be a lot about vinyl and CDs and all these things we don't have anymore. No, totally. But I mean, you've created something which I think does work from beginning to end. You know what I mean? It's better to listen to the whole thing. It's not just like a bunch of isolated tracks, no, if that makes sense.
0: Definitely, it's It's a body of work.
1: It's got a feeling to it. And that feeling is that it's going to be fine.
0: It's going to be fine.
2: I
1: mean, it being you, it's not like an uncomplicated thing of it's going to be fine. (laughs) But yeah, it is going to be fine.
0: (laughs) There is a depth of emotion here.
1: That's what I meant. Somebody asked me
0: words that I'd used to describe it. I used the word lighthearted. And my friends were like, what? This is not a lighthearted album. And I then somebody else was like, This is deep and meaningful. Mm. And I was like, Wait, but guys, it's so light. They're like, It's optimistic.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. so too. I, because what I get from it is it's not that it's not lighthearted in the sense that you're talking about uh, flowers and puppies and mm. the grass and the rainbows or whatever, but it's, it's lighthearted in a sense that you're dealing with the same complicated issues you always deal with, but it's almost like got a sense of hope coming out of it, you know?
0: Yeah, well I hope everybody listens to it And walks away with that same sense of hope
1: Yeah, I mean what I get from it is that Life is messy, we can't help that But at some point Everything's going to be okay
0: oh, It's going to be fine If you are an independent artist Whose passion for what you do Can inspire or fuel others Get in touch, I'd love to chat You can find me on ShotgunTory.com
1: You've been listening to another production From Solid Gold Podcasts
2: Drawing a line Close the door with a sign That says do not disturb Not for anything Just pretend I'm not here That I've gone out for a beer To think If I was the type I'd be driven I'd be driven Driven to drink So you don't worry And not first in the draw I